Shots up. Missed it to the right. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it. This is why you came to Miami. That's why you wanted to be a hurricane. My first task is to take Miami to another level, to the point where we are competing in the mix for the college football playoff every year. I'm putting my heart in this dog. Let's go, man. Welcome back to the latest installment of Wide Right, the Miami Hurricanes podcast for The Athletic. I'm Manny Navarro. Today I'll be joined on the show by Chris Stock, longtime Miami Hurricanes beat writer with 247 Sports Inside the U. We had Chris on last week to talk about Jaron Williams and Tate Martell. Now we'll get into one of his specialties, recruiting. But first, I'd like to play an interview I did with Miami's top recruit, four-star running back Don Chaney Jr. of Miami Belen Jesuit. Chaney is not only an elite runner, but he's a really smart kid who wants to be a neurosurgeon after football. He works out with the same trainer as Ram star running back Todd Gurley whenever Gurley comes to town. Chaney's coach, Ed Delgado, says Chaney reminds him a ton of Willis McGahee. Those are some pretty big names in the running back business, and if Don Chaney can follow in those footsteps, the Hurricanes will be in great shape. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Miami's top recruit, Don Chaney Jr. I read that you probably may not have gone to Miami if Mark Briggs would have stayed the coach. It's not that. Okay. Miami's Miami. The new Miami sounds a lot better than the old Miami, but uh, I had a really great, strong relationship with uh, Coach Coach Brown. Uh huh. So like it would have been like a 50-50. Because of Coach Brown. Yeah. And the fact that he left made it made open things up a little bit more. The fact that everything changes will open my my head up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now the comparisons to Willis McGee. Who, who made those? Co- no, Coach Eddie started it. Coach Eddie like he was like, oh. You know who you remind me of? And he was like, Willis McGahey. And I was like, uh-huh. like, who is that? You didn't even know who he was? No, I didn't know who he was. And then I started watching. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of I think I could compare myself to this guy. When did that happen? Do you remember the first time you saw tape of him? A couple months ago. That was the first time? You had never heard? Never heard of him. Of Willis McGahey. And then you watched the film and you thought, okay, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? why? Um, he's a strong man. Yeah. Strong, fast, physical. Mm-hmm. All of that, and I was like, that's me right there. <laughs> what do you think you have to prove on? Me? I would say my footwork. What, what specifically? You pretty much seem like a one-cut kind of guy. Me? Yeah, ball. I'm you a one-cut kind of guy. Yeah, I would dance. And I think I need to start learning how to dance. Mm-hmm. Just in case he needs to come in handy. And a lot of people think that like I don't like to you know, hit. It's just I'm trying to save myself. I got called in a couple months. I'm not... Right, trying to like burn myself out, but like, mm-hmm. obviously not. Nah, set a set a different tone, cause a lot of people have been like, oh, like yeah, he doesn't want to hear. He always running out of bounds. So you know what that means. You're just, you're just being smart. Gotta start punishing people again. Yeah, <laughs> but you're trying to stay smart. Yeah, I'm trying right? to be smart, but. Now I know you spoke to Duke Johnson at Paradise Camp. Have you spoken to any other Miami running backs? Uh no, sir. What did Duke tell you? I speak to DJ DJ Dallas? Yeah. What do you guys have to do? That guy should be a preacher. Yeah, why? Oh my god. He like he's so uplifting, like he's so dedicated and he's really? so wise minded. Yeah. What does he say? He's one of the wisest college kids I've ever met in my entire life. Really? Yeah, he's the best attitude I've ever seen. Really? What is? What do you mean? Like, what does he do? He calls and uh, he texts me. He's like, yo, how you doing, little bro? Whatever. Uh-huh. And then bro, I text him on game days, like, yo, let's let's do numbers, let's do all of this, uh-huh. all of that. He's like, you already know it, like. 
Uh, I don't know if you see my post on Instagram. No. But I posted, I posted, uh, and it was like a, like, I thought this was one of the best comments I ever made in my entire life. Oh, that's DJ right now. Oh, there he is. Never relent, never waver, press on. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So you go. mean by everything he posts on yes. Instagram? That's what that's what you mean. Yeah. He's just always pre preaching, and when he when he talks to you, is he like that too, or no? Yeah. He always yeah. he want he always want to know if I'm coming to the game. Really? Yeah. And it seems like he genuinely cares. This has nothing to do with recruiting. No, another recruiting, nothing to do with recruiting. Do you like that? Yeah, I love that. Does, does that I wish he stayed one more year. <laughs> you think you will, or you think he's gone after this year? I want him to go. You want him to go after yeah. this year? Why? He needs the money for I his think, kid, right? Huh? He needs the money for his kid, probably. Probably, but yeah. let alone, I think he's he's better than good enough. Right. Yeah. And and forget all the. All the talent that he has, but the attitude that DJ has and all the positivity, people are gonna want that on their team. Now, part of being a leader too isn't just the teammates, but recruiting. So yeah, like, DJ, DJ did that with recruiting. He tried to recruit other guys. Is that something you're doing more of, or you yeah. kind of? Uh, right now, we're like, so we got 23 recruits. That's crazy. <laughs> we got 23 recruits. I honestly think we're gonna get. We 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 should definitely have the best class. Who's the one you're trying to recruit? Uh, we so Donnell. Uh, the one who used to be committed, Donnell Harris. Yeah. You're trying to get him back. Yeah. I play him this week. Right. You already know I'm gonna be talking to him during the game. <laughs> like, okay. What do you say? say? What do you say to another recruit? Hey, come to Miami. What do you? Oh, uh, me and Elijah. You know Elijah, right? Me and him were talking the whole game. Really? If he made a tackle, or if I got away from him, if I made a block on him, or if he he got off of one of my blocks, like, like we'll be talking. I'll be like, okay, you got me on that one. It won't happen again, though. Right. And stuff like that. We trash talking each other, but we so know it was already a Miami Brotherhood in that game. Didn't yes. Yeah. yeah. Me and Elijah have been uh, close since fourth grade. Really? When did you guys uh, meet? Uh, fourth grade? Yeah, 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 it was in class. Chris, Don Chaney is an amazing kid, and it's pretty evident he's the number one recruit in Miami's class. Thanks for coming back on the show. Um, I wanted to talk to you about recruiting. You've been doing this, uh, covering the city with me since 2003. Yeah. Um, where do you think Chaney is in terms of, of a talent? I know he's the number one recruit in Miami's class, but... Um, do you think he deserves that ranking? Do you think he's a great player? Do you think what do you think they have in Don Cheney Jr.? Yeah, it's crazy when you start thinking back how long we've been doing this, and and you know, man, we the names I'll rattle off. You saw him uh, at the high school level, and I think that's the thing about when you talk about Don Cheney Jr. and um, the running back position in this area has been elite. It's not just been good; it's an elite position in South Florida. And I know other positions are good, but I mean, if you really look at what's been gone, gone on down here, I run back and talked about Willis McGee there, uh, Miami Central. And, you know, I think maybe some of the recent guys, we can talk about that, maybe where Don ranks, you know, Lamar Miller, Duke Johnson, uh, those are two that jump off. To me, in the sense, when you're talking about elite backs, to me, both those guys are better. Um, I like them better at the high school level than what Don is. And I think the thing is, and I know there's a lot to like about Don, you mentioned. Um, intelligent, those kind of things, and, and he's a guy that popped on the scene. Oh, I don't know if it was the eighth, ninth grade. We like we've known about him coming up the ranks early, not just knowing the name, but like this guy's going to be good. You know, he's going to be one to watch. So we've been able to see him and um, get a get a chance to see him. The one thing I will say though, on the flip side, and, and he is good. You know, he, he's um, his weight room numbers are very good at the high, especially at that level. Um, 
th th those are good. He runs hard. Um, I think that the caveat, you know, in talking to people, other people as well, which is also one of my concerns, is you know he doesn't play all the time, man. He and there's a reason they they want to protect him and not get hurt and things like that. I just it I have a it puts me a little bit not not at, um, not at ease with it. Um, kind of a little concerned, you know, sit out a game if he's dealing with something or um, the other day when he played the you know against or against Columbus and he got, gets out of hand but then he, you know, he sits with cramps and things like that they could have put him in that's kind of the thing that you kind of hear about the program like oh they could play him more they choose to sit him that kind of thing and to go from that um, and he does produce when he's in there we see it but to go from that to expect expectations to be an elite guy he's going to be have high expectations to run off with the job and, and not just do that but be good you know he's got to be an all ACC type performer that's what you're expecting of him I just I just wonder, I just, that stuff kind of um, concerns me a little bit that he doesn't, um, that there is uh, the carry stuff, and um, but on the flip side, obviously, you see, you see the skills. It's not like a, uh, we'll bring up Robert Burns type stuff who didn't have the carries or the production, and, you know, it's a di different situation than that um, when you talk about red flags, but th there is that, and, and I think it's something to, that, that does make a difference. Yeah, it's definitely fair. And I think playing in the wing T system, which is what sure, Belen runs. Sure, that's the other thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's times when he's in a, in a three-point stand. Sometimes he's in a two-point. It's not always consistent. They don't throw the ball to him a ton. He doesn't run back kickoffs, even though he's more than capable of it. I still think he's a really special talent. I mean, any kid who's squatting 525 pounds and he's 17 years old and, and benching 325. You know, he told me he, he benched 225 12 times. I, I went back and I looked at the combine numbers. Uh, I think Travis Homer had 17, and that's a guy who's through three years through, of college. Right. Yeah. So to me, Cheney has so much upside and so much potential. And in some ways, I think it might be good that they haven't really played him that much. I mean, obviously, he had an ankle injury last year, which limited him to a few games. Um, but all in all, I mean, I think he's a really gifted runner. I don't know if the Willis McGahee comparisons are fair. Willis was uh, just an animal. Um, I don't see Cheney in that same physical light. I think, you know, sometimes people look at the way he runs with the ball and they say, well, he doesn't always look for contact. He did tell me uh, in our interview, and obviously you only heard part of it uh, in this podcast, he did tell me during our interview that he wants to prove to people that he can be a very physical back. And I asked him, I said, how many times do you think you carry the ball in a game? He said, I could do it 30, 40 times. He thinks he can be an, an every down back, and he thinks that once he gets to Miami um, that they're going to use him in a lot of different ways. So I think he's a gifted player. I think without question he is the number one recruit in this class. Obviously there's some other talented guys, and we're going to get uh, back to recruiting in a minute, but let's shift the conversation over to the team, and we can continue the conversation recruiting in a few. But um, let's start with the offensive line, because obviously coming off the Florida game, that's the, the biggest – uh, story, right? That's that's what everybody's worried about going into this North Carolina game. How are those guys going to perform? Last week, our Will Salmon did a great job breaking down the 10 sacks the Gators racked up against the Canes. Video clips. I actually did the same exact homework. I was going to write the same story as, nice. as he did. Will just got his done before mine, and he was doing obviously from a Florida perspective. Were these sure. sacks legit? Ultimately, I think Jaron had about 3.6 seconds to throw the ball. That was the average. And um, that's a lot of time. Um, when you average, you know, um, what a quarterback gets, they usually get to three to three and a half. So he had time to get rid of the ball. Obviously, it was pressure. It's different when you're facing the pressure and you see it coming at you, especially in your first college start. But I think you and I agree, Dan Enos could do more to protect them. If you were the offensive line coach or the offensive coordinator at Miami, what would Chris Stock do 
to fix Miami's offensive line problems right now? Well, first off, that's only only time I've been asked, like, uh, what would I do in the sense, like, uh, of course, our opinions are just opinions. But uh, first off, it, you move DJ Scave to left tackle. That's my first move from right guard. I'd move him all the way to left tackle. Now, you can argue that he, maybe his future and things like that, he'd be a guard. But I think D- DJ would be the best tackle on the team, and that's ultimately all that matters right now. Um, it needs to be fixed. Moves need to be made. And I think with DJ, too, I, I think back on him at tackle um, at the high school level, yeah, at Southridge, I heard a story. He transferred in from from Killian to Southridge just for his final year, um, and James Head was was a dude, you know, a defensive end, just a monster at, at that level. And uh, heard at practice, like right when DJ got there, they went one on one, and um, obviously it's a difference of, of guys. And <laughs> and DJ uh, kind of pinned him back and um, won the won the rep. I was really impressive with his length and. Uh, strength and you know south because of course you kind of hear about a guy but when it comes in and then it it looks well and um, James kind of I wouldn't say maybe tried to shy away on on another rep later and they're like no no you're going up against him again so there's a lot of um, positives to like with DJ and I think him at tackle start there and then you know if you still like Zion uh, let him let him get good at at right tackle Um, the pressure there maybe that's an option Um, I think the stuff with Zion we hear a lot of positive things and I think it's good to be excited about his future but what is he right now you know what what is he really you know what is he able to do right now because um, that's that's what it matters you know and um, I still think you know so I think that's an option uh, you know we heard you know Kyleon Herbert was uh, was there in the mix at right tackle and um, you know John Campbell kind of beat him out late and then then had the job and John clearly struggled with penalties and giving up sacks and those kind of things so if, if this is a staff that's talking about competition so much and, and how tough it is, you know, when guys don't perform, it's time to, to go with someone else in the sense of giving them an opportunity because what are you saying to the team if guys aren't performing well and you stick with them so much? And, and I understand the flip side of wanting to show your support, and I, I, we'll see what happens against North Carolina because based on what Manny, his initial impressions or initial reaction to the offensive line, they kind of want – these are our guys. That's what the exact words were. These are our guys. Essentially, yeah. like, they're going to stick with them. So – um, I remember when we talked about it before, you know, those are their guys until they're not kind of thing. So guys are going to have to play better if, they, if they're in there. But I think there are moves to be made. Yeah, I think there's – obviously you could always switch the personnel around. I think one thing you could do too, and I don't know how much of the film you watch, but I, from what I saw, there were, there were moments when Zion and, and Campbell were still in a three-point stance in, in, in obvious passing situations where they, they just were not ready um, for, for Florida's defensive ends who were standing up and getting ready to blow by them. Not only were they getting late jumps because they couldn't hear the snap, um, but I think they were in a position that didn't put them in a lot of, uh, in a way to, that they could really succeed. Um, I think one, you know, that's something they certainly have to work on this week. And I think, you know, leaving DJ Dallas back there, chipping, um, having the tight ends, don't chip with the wide receiver. If you're going to bring those receivers in close to the, to the line of scrimmage and to the offensive lineman, you're only asking for trouble. I think you have to spread the field more, keep more guys off the line, or, or make it more blatantly obvious who's who's coming in to rush because nobody's going to blitz if they're on the outside hash. They're going to be too far away to get to the quarterback. So I think there's certain things you can do with play calling to help those guys out. Um, certainly rolling Jaron Williams out more, maybe to one side, and giving him the green light to run. I think that's part of, you know, one thing we heard throughout camp was Danny, you know, sort of saying, you know, Trust the pocket, trust the pocket, trust the pocket. Well, Jaron Williams can run. I mean, the guy ran for a bunch of yards in high school. I mean, obviously he's not 
um, an option quarterback or a, read op- a real read option quarterback, but he's a guy who could run. It's not like he was a statue back there. He could make plays with his feet. I thought he had a nice nine-yard scramble that picked up a first down against Florida that you saw, hey, you know what? And even one of the times when he was getting sacked or you know that, that it counted as a sack, he was scrambling back there. You see he has some shiftiness to him. So I think you got to roll him out more. Um, so aside from the personnel changes, that's that's certainly something I think you have to sort of implement into the game plan this week. Um, all right, so besides the offensive line, let's move on to snap counts. And obviously some interesting developments. Um, we got a chance to talk to Blake Baker last Tuesday. Uh, and Blake talked about how the defensive line rotation was pretty short, obviously for a reason. You want your best players out there. You also had DJ Ivy out who was suspended. Ivy will be back this week against North Carolina. But there was an interesting name that came about. And when you asked, you know, Blake, who should play more? Right. He said Robert Knowles, who we know is a huge fan favorite of Miami Hurricanes fans. Who do you think needs to play more on this defense? Well, first, yeah, the Robert Knowles thing is very interesting. I remember when he committed, it was a kind of a surprise uh, commit. And I remember going to Edison mm-hmm. uh, t- to get some pictures of him because we didn't have anything and digital photo shoot type thing. But uh, it seems like a good dude, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, some guy that's trying. But, yeah, I asked Blake um, and, and kind of getting to know Blake a little bit. He's very good about those kind of things. Like You, you can kind of ask questions. That's why I asked it. Uh, you know who do you, who didn't get the play snap? You know essentially who wasn't getting as much that did well in their roles that could possibly get more. Yeah, and first off, and he said first one that jumps to mind was Robert Knowles, which is interesting because obviously when you get more snaps, well then who's it take away from? Mm-hmm. Um, I know they like Gervin Hall quite a bit. Um, we saw him make plays, um, and, and there's obviously something there. Uh, he mentioned Amari Carter. Um, not getting over on that big play, and obviously yeah. Frierson was the one. Gilbert Frierson was the one that allowed it, but he mentioned that it, that it was Amari um, that had that responsibility as well. And I think there were plays too. Many uh, I kind of remember seeing Gervin. Maybe I don't know if the if it's really a blame to be late on on stuff. Not not like as glaring as that, but you're kind of looking like, man, get over there. You know, just like just get see it a little, just get over there a little quicker because mm-hmm. um, you can kind of see some things develop, and you know, you'd make a tackle, but. I, you know, so they're going to maybe have a more of a rotation. And, and I think that's a, maybe a good thing at certain positions. Obviously, at linebacker, they are what they are. And, and I remember watching when I first was covering the team that the top linebackers didn't come out. And, but the D-line, I think, snap count jumps out there that, that um, you look at the numbers and they certainly could do more of a rotation. And I would, I would say that's a good thing um, to do that just because of, you know, how, how – uh, that burst, you know, takes a little bit out of you. Plus, I think that they have some guys that can make play, particularly Trevon Hill. Um, I think he's a guy they they got to get in the mix. Yeah, Scott Passion actually had the best game on defense, according to uh, Pro Football Focus's grades. They gave him a 75.9 grade. He played 43 snaps. Gregory Rousseau was second on the list. Greg, had, of course, had he's the only sack. He should get in there, yeah. Yes, he played 14 snaps in that game, 73.7 grade. The third highest guy, this is kind of surprising, is Gilbert Frierson. And he was only in there for 12 snaps. He obviously gave up the big pass play. But as you mentioned, coaches thought that was Amari Carter's responsibility. If he's in the middle of the field, that ball doesn't get thrown. He just wasn't in the right place. So um, in in all, there were eight guys who came off the bench. Trevon Hill only played 15 snaps. Um, Takori Couch is the one cornerback who got off and, and got more work because obviously DJ Ivey was out. He played 12 snaps in that game. Uh, and Robert Knowles played 16. 
Now, obviously, I think once Bubba Bolden gets cleared by the NCAA, and, and that could obviously happen here, um, when, when, once he's cleared, it's going to take away snaps from Robert Knowles. I think Miami fans were panicked because we mentioned the name Robert Knowles could probably chillax a little bit. The offensive side, that was also interesting because we talked about receiver last week in the last episode. Um, who, If you had to give somebody in the offensive line snaps, who do you think is next on the list? Because all the, the same five guys played every snap last week. Right. Uh, I think you're looking at Herbert just because he was in the mix before and the tackle position with how Campbell, he was in a battle there. I think he's the one to look at. Um, you know, you look at obviously the center position. They like what Corey Gaynor brings at center, the leadership. So I don't think he'll see you with Ja'Kai Clark or, or any type of move there. I think maybe it's more of a shuffle. I, I don't know. Maybe some other guys. You know, obviously when the transfer portal with Tommy Kennedy, but um, who was highly regarded since no, they had other options. Not even options. on the depth chart. No, not even and yeah. not even threatening. We. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember the last time we've heard them even mention him. We, we mm-hmm. saw him there in a mix and then just just not. So. Um, so you can't say that he would. Obviously, they would have liked to have a transfer guy in, and, and in theory, that's what you wanted, and it was just going to plug and play somewhere, at least somewhere to start. But yeah, he's not in the mix. So uh, I think Herbert's the guy. Maybe if they want to go younger, but um, Cleveland I Reed. I think Cleveland Reed's probably another option at guard. Yeah, uh, or you know, right. they like Hillary that he was moving between guard and tackle. It, it's just, do they want to give someone another opportunity? But like we said earlier, like it just seems like they they do believe in sticking with their guys, and 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 maybe rightfully so, man. Maybe that's maybe it's overreaction of the UF game, and mm-hmm. and maybe they're right. You know, that obviously the Florida uh, defensive uh, linemen are good, and and they'll be better uh, maybe than what they face. But you know, you don't want to. You don't want to um, react when it's too late, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's the thing that maybe fans are, uh, and the fans they know what's going on. They're watching games. They've been watching games for years, so they know they see what's going on too. So I think that's the biggest maybe concern is you know like if this is a major issue, it needs to be addressed sooner than later because you don't want to have another bad performance and you're sitting zero and two. Yeah, you, you you certainly want to get these things fixed quickly, and I think you want the right guys in there to get the bulk of the work. You ultimately, I, and, and I agree with that. Like yeah. across the board, I like when starters play more. I I've, over the years we've seen that change, man. We've seen essentially guys rotating in and reserves way too much. Where um, you need your better players on the field. I, I'm a strong believer, and uh, your better players win the game. I'm not big on the whole. Uh, you're as good as your last man type mentality. No, I, you believe in the top guys. It's just you want to make sure they're at their best as well. All right, so let's let's move back to recruiting because obviously that's something near and dear to both of our hearts. We, we've covered it a long time uh, in this city. And this recruiting class, it's, it really hasn't changed much at all. Uh, 23 commitments uh, for some time now. Uh, Miami's class is ranked 12th uh, by 247 Sports. And... The one thing I got, you know, it's funny because I was covering the Miami Heat for three years. I kind of got disconnected from UM and recruiting. And one of the big changes, obviously, while I was gone was the early signing period. And I know, obviously, a few of our listeners know that. But I think people who haven't followed college football very closely the last couple of years are still sort of like, okay, what, how, what, how has that changed things, the early signing period? In your opinion, this is what, the second year of it now? Third year? Third. Third year. Do you think it's been a good thing, the early signing period? Do you think it's been a bad thing? And I guess how has Miami sort of handled the early signing period in your mind? Well, good thing for who? Like, I, yeah. I, I, I think fans, you know, you get used to the, the signing day in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in February. And 
the, the excitement for that final month, six weeks after the season ends. Uh, so I, I, I preferred how it was before. Good thing for the coaches, absolutely. They'd rather get this thing locked up and they know what they have. They like that kind of stuff. So uh, from someone who follows it, and, and it does get crazy, you know this. Like, mm-hmm. it, you know, it does get a little nutty, but uh, I enjoyed that. And I think fans did too, that, that getting used to February, because what happens is, in December, that late December, people are dealing, it's kind of like you're dealing with the holidays, you're dealing with bowl games, uh, anything else you have, maybe a child, and then all of a sudden they, they sign, and it's, and usually the thing about December too, it's not a lot of decisions being made, it's the guys that were locked up and they just signed, so it's not mm-hmm. a lot of, um, you know, excitement or drama, I guess, and I think that's what, one of the reasons why there has been so much interest in recruiting over the years, so, uh, but, you know, like I said, I, I'm sure the coaches, they seem to like it. Well, the calendar now basically runs to what? The middle of July, August, and then and then everybody just goes and plays football. I mean, and, and obviously you have decommitments, and you'll have kids who still haven't made up their mind. Uh, but for the most part, all of the elite kids have made up their minds. I mean, there's very few. We don't, we don't get to February with very much drama anymore. And a lot of things, you know, a lot of the times, kids are enrolling in, in January sure. anyway now. So, it, it, I mean, it, the whole thing has just kind of been thrown for a loop. And for a guy who covered it for so long a certain way, and now gets thrown back into, hey, wait a minute, uh, I got to cover recruiting in the summertime now too, uh, where it wasn't necessarily as big a priority. It's definitely a little weird for me, from my perspective. This class, uh, we talked about Don Chaney Jr. in the opening, uh, 23 commitments. Um, I think they've got, what, eight four-star commitments in all, seven four-star commitments. I know Elijah Roberts, the defensive end from Columbus, was just sort of elevated to a four-star. Um, what's your opinion of this class who do you like? Who are the top five guys in this class? Not just on star rating, but on the Chris Stock. I've seen these guys in person rating. The best player in this class, without question, is Jaden Francois. He is a big-time playmaker who I saw play. Uh, they played 13 games. I saw him in person 10. I watched film on the other three. I've seen him in practice multiple times. When I saw him before his junior year in practice, I, I saw him and was like immediately gravitated towards his abilities. Um, his confidence, the way guys kind of react around him, um, kind of leading a group, kind of a kind of a guy. Uh, it's been fun watching him, and it's it's interesting to see him make plays. and And I was high on him going into the season, and he what and he wasn't highly ranked. He mm-hmm. wasn't, uh, I, and it's not just twenty four seven sports. And they use the composite rankings, which is great because you can look at him like, well, what is he compared to the other guys? You know, if you don't. Um, you know, depending on what you think of it, but with the composite rankings using other media outlets, um, it's very popular, and I know fans enjoy that to see that ranking there on the thing. And, and, and Jaden wasn't a highly ranked guy going into the season. I don't know if it was three star, you know, kind of thing, but immediately jumps off the page. He finishes with 12 interceptions, which is absolutely ridiculous. Man, you've done this a long time. You know that position. What's so crazy is that position you can be very good and not have the numbers to back it up. because right. it, And you can't say that about other positions. You don't see running backs that don't pile up numbers or receivers that don't do anything. That position, you can be good and not have the numbers because you know they don't. there's different reasons. But And he was doing it every way. You can play safety, you can play corner, you can be physical, he can guard you. He's tough. Um, I think he's very smart as well. Um, he's just a, a great player. And I think Miami is, is, can use him however they want. I don't care where his rankings are. To me, he's, he's a, the best one in the class, and I'd put him as the best defensive back in the country. Wow, that's really high praise. And, and you know, I talked to him at Media Day, and you know him a lot more than I do, a lot better than I do. 
Um, I, I came away with the sense that if he got an Ohio State offer, that it, they would probably become the team to beat. I don't know that Ohio State's ever going to give him that offer, or if they have, uh, or how the, what sort of the state of that offer is. But that was my impression. But um, what do you take away from that? I mean, do you think do you feel the same way? Or well, I think they're definitely in the mix. I think with Jaden too, he's going to pay attention to how Miami does. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a guy that that likes Miami. But look, if it, they can't do what they did last year, there's got to be real growth. And I think a lot of these guys, you asked who the best five in the class. I think a lot of guys are in on Miami and we'll see how it goes. You know, right. I, we hear so much about the new Miami and the, the energy and the new coach and that kind of thing. And this happens every time we've seen multiple new head coaches, but they're going to have to prove that they're either right there or, you know, there's growth if they don't have the record that they're, that we've seen first year coaches have other than Mark Rick, but um, we'll see kind of how things go with the, with this class, but there's other guys that are good as well. I, I think Jaden's just a guy that's going to be paying attention, and he's the type of guy that wants to play for a winner, or you know, or at least like you got to have that positive um, upwards um, track um, going forward. And I think a lot of guys will be looking at that too. I think other guys that maybe aren't committed yet, I think they'll be paying very close attention to that and see exactly maybe where the direction of the, of the program is going. Who who rounds out your uh, top five? in terms of uh, what Miami's got coming? Oh, I think the guys at the top, I haven't seen a ton of them. I think Don Chaney's, you know, I still had some uh, question marks with him, but, you know, I'm not one of these people like, I mean, all these guys have their flaws, mm-hmm. even Jaden. I like Jaden a lot. They're, he has his flaws, but I think they're very good. I think you can just pick apart every guy. And Don has a lot of strengths. Um, he's certainly in that group. And, and I just, comparing him to other guys, I just like the other guys that have come through the, um, the ranks of Dade County um, more. Um, I know the, the Oakleaf um, duo there, people like them. They're, they're both highly ranked on the 24-7 sports composite rankings with Chance Williams, the defensive lineman, and Jalen Rivers, right. offensive tackle. Um, you know, quarterback, you know, that's a big thing, Manny. Um, yeah. what, is the, what is Miami going to do at quarterback? We've seen for years that it's either dropped off or not quite been exactly at the level. And I think Tyler Van Dyke has shown signs uh, that you like what he brings to the table. Um, there's also been some some performances over the off season where um, he wasn't at his best, and but I think that there's there are things alike. He throws the ball well, um, and you know some man that position is so tough. There's so many factors that go into the quarterback position that watching him on film or even throw the ball in these camps it, um, at that position a quarterback it, it, there's so much more that goes into it. Um, but I still think he's um, certainly one that that you're hoping for to have a bright future. I've gone and seen a couple of these guys, uh, Marcus Clark, Justin Hodges, uh, obviously seen Don Chaney, going to go look at uh, the receiver, Redding. Um, I, I, look, I, I, like, I like some of these guys. I also found a lot of flaws the same way you did. Um, and throughout, as long as we're doing these podcasts, I'm going to be sharing some of my thoughts every time I go and break some of these guys, these guys down. But I'm glad you're on because you've, you've seen a lot of these guys. You're part of the network that does the rankings for these players. Let's talk about the priorities here, the recruiting priorities the rest of the way, because uh, Miami's obviously after some some top-notch guys. I know Justin Flo is everybody in the country wants him. He's the best linebacker in the country uh, in this next 2020 class. Uh, you got Darnell Washington, who is an absolute stud, tight end out of the Las Vegas area. I got a chance to see him at Paradise Camp. Um, Avante Williams, who I know is committed to Oregon, but Miami uh, has been after this safety from DeLand for a long time, and, and I think there's always a the thought of maybe they could sway him to, to come back. And then um, really the, the guy who I think is maybe the most important recruit for Miami, 
um, in this class could be New Orleans Isaiah Walker, uh, who's an offensive tackle, who is a legit offensive tackle. Uh, he's not a guy who you're going to come in and move to guard. With the position the way it is, I think Miami really needs to, to get go out there and sign an elite offensive tackle. Who's your number one priority, Chris? Who do you think is the guy that uh, on Miami's board is, is the top, top, top guy? Well, I mean, they'd love to have Justin Flo. Linebacker, they need linebackers. It's been really interesting to see how the linebacker recruiting because you've known these guys – Okay, they're, your three are going to be your starters. They've been that way for years, but why have they've not been able to get the next for sure thing um, to step right in? There's guys that they that have been around the program. They're all hurt right now, it seems like, um, other than the two true freshmen. But just, you know, I think a linebacker is such a key position uh, moving forward, and, and maybe they'll, they'll dip back into the transfer portal there. Um, but if you look at, like, who would they most likely – who would they love to have the most, uh, you have to look at Flo. And, and you mentioned, obviously, he's highly regarded – it's not going to be easy, but he still has to look at the situation of what the linebackers have done in the past at UM. It, he can step right in. Essentially, he would start, you know, if assuming that, you know, he has all those abilities and translates just fine. Um, and we've seen young linebackers be able to do that. So I think there, um, the Isaiah Walker offensive line, the only thing would say, does it help right away? Obviously, they're going with the true freshman now. Um, he's certainly a good player. Um, I, I think that thing is you you got to fill these holes fill these gaps um, when guys leave um, and they're, they're certainly seniors departing at key positions all right before we go a reminder that you can listen to our podcast twice a week here at the athletic or on apple podcast spotify as well as other places we encourage you to participate with questions either through my weekly mailbag you can also call into wide rights voicemail box at 929-430-7764 be sure to read and follow Chris at InsideTheU.com and on Twitter at InsideTheU. Check out his YouTube channel, Inside the U. Lots of Kane's video content there. We will be back on Thursday with our next episode previewing Saturday's game against North Carolina. Thanks for listening to Wide Right. Chris, thanks for uh, coming on and doing uh, two shows with me. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm glad you had me on. I'm ready to get some food. Let's go get a bite to eat. Yes. It's always I, good seeing you again and, and not always be in such an environment where we're always worried about interviewing and talking a lot. So this was great, man. I'm glad you had me on. Lunch, lunch is on me for sure. Uh, thanks for listening to Wide Right. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.